I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I just wanted to encourage you all to watch some of my IG Live videos on Instagram. On Instagram, my accounts are at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. But in case I haven't told you, which it occurred to me that maybe I haven't, on Instagram every day at 11 o'clock Eastern time, I interview authors live from my at Zibby Owens account. And to watch it, you just have to open up Instagram. And if you're following me when I'm live, it'll show up on the upper left of your screen in the story section and it'll say live and there'll be a little red circle. So every day, Monday to Friday, I do an IG live show check it out. I do one to four authors a week. Sometimes the shows become these podcasts. And I also do one on Sundays at two with my husband, Kyle. um, And we talk about step parenting and life and all the rest. So if you haven't watched an IG Live, please do. And also I have a virtual book club that I hope you know about. This is all on my website, by the way, zibbyowens.com. But check out my virtual book club, which is through a site called Book Clubs, with a Z, B-O-O-K-C-L-U-B-Z.com. And no, I didn't make that up after my name, but actually it just worked out perfectly. So go to bookclubs.com, and I'm actually the featured book club on their homepage. So you can just click, and you're invited to sign up. Um, I have amazing guests every week, and that meets Tuesdays at 2 p.m., Uh, Eastern Time via Zoom. So please don't miss out on all these other offerings for all of you guys who are loyal listeners to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And always feel free to check out my website at zibbyowens.com to find out what I'm up to and what else you can do. Oh, and also sign up for my newsletter. On In my newsletter every week, I give updates on the latest, the book recommendations, all my podcasts, all my IG lives, my book club, and any other fun information, um, plus usually some list or article or something that I think would be helpful. So um, also sign up for my mailing list if you get a chance. Okay, that's enough for me. Now go listen to this episode. Today's sponsor is Violets Are Blue, which is an organic small batch skincare company that gives back to women in treatment for breast cancer, started by a breast cancer survivor herself. 10% of the Violets Are Blue earnings go toward skincare packages that they donated to women on their first day of treatment at Mount Sinai in New York City. For 20% off, use code ZIBBY. 20, Z-I-B-B-Y 20. I had such a nice conversation with Brad Montague. It was kind of a sad, rainy day, and we just had the best time talking, and I feel like I got to know him really well, and it made his book all the better. His latest book is called Becoming Better Grownups, Rediscovering What Matters and Remembering How to Fly. By, obviously by Brad Montague. But he's also developed Kid President, which is an award-winning series and is just an all-over awesome guy. He His website is Montague Workshop, and he goes around the country talking to teachers and educators and everybody else, helping us all rediscover our joy. He has amazing YouTube videos. He reads his book online. You should definitely check it out. And listen to Brad and me. I think it'll give you some really good insights. Thanks, Brad, so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books today. Thank you. Thanks for having this playground that we can play in together. This will be fun. Well, actually, I, we're on Skype right now, and I'm looking at your, is that your office? It looks super fun. I kind of <laughs> wish I was there. You have, like, multicolored, like, pom-poms hanging from the window and globes and illustrations. And, yeah, I would expect yeah, nothing if, less. <laughs> if you have, yeah, if you have to have a place that you work, it should be a place you want to go. Yeah, I need to uh, redo this. This isn't even my office. Anyway, yes, you, I'm jealous of your, uh, <laughs> of your setup. <laughs> so your latest book, Becoming Better Grownups, which you know I really loved from our Instagram Live video that we already did together. Can you tell listeners what it's about and what inspired you to write it? So I had found myself in this really 
rough spot, this rough patch, this dark patch. I was had had a big successful project that had gone viral and and all of this had happened and I was overwhelmed and I didn't know what to do next and I was just stuck. Like literally found myself here in this office just showing up and on the floor and my wife was like, "Dude, what's wrong? You know, what what's going on? You've lost yourself." And I was working through uh, what what next? Because I had all these projects that I thought, okay, I'm going to work on this next thing, and it just didn't happen. And I'd do this next thing, and it, you know, it would be fun, but it didn't happen. <laughs> so I was working in TV and kids TV. I was working writing. I was working on other books, and for whatever reason, it just kept all falling apart. And I was thinking, I've I'm over. I'm done. This is <laughs> I, I've got nothing left to give the world. Nobody wants anything except kid president, this thing I already did. And then I got an email from a teacher and she said, hey, we've been using your videos and we were inspired and we wanted to share with you what we've been doing. And then a lot of teachers were emailing and asking, and it wasn't like we want you to do something. It was the one place in the world in my inbox where somebody didn't want something from me. They just wanted me to, to be there. They just wanted to show me something that they had been inspired by something we had done and had taken it even further. And so it was breathing me back to life. I was spending time with kids and people who cared about kids. And so I decided I'm going to go on a listening tour and I'm not going to show up at a school and have a book to read or anything to promote or a message to share other than their voices matter. And I'm going to listen. So I listened to uh, kids in elementary schools all over the U.S. in every single state. And what I learned, I didn't know it was going to be a book. Like I thought, oh, this is just fun and helpful and it's challenging me and growing me and breathing me back to life. But when I saw the looks in kids' eyes, when they would tell me about what they thought it would look like to be a good grown-up and who great grown-ups were in their lives, I was convinced I have to, I have a responsibility to share this. Wow. That's amazing. Books that have to come out, like that you feel like you have no choice, those end up being the best books. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I mean, I've found so many books like that that I love that you can tell that it just had to be written. But the whole time with this, I kept thinking, I'm not the person to do this. (laughs) Like there's, there's so many other people that should write this book, but yet- it was this lump in my throat that I had to to get out. I had to share. And I think that's a big part of the book too, is this idea that we wait so much for somebody better than us to, to arrive, someone better than us to do the things. And they're honestly, for whoever's listening to this, for everybody, that there's no better person to be you than you. <laughs> <laughs> And the, there comes a point where we all realize we're the grown-up in the room, and it's terrifying, and that's because we care. But it should be exhilarating. It should be a moment in which we can accept with joy and with gratitude that we get to be of service. We get to show up. So there's no better grown-up than you, the one in the room. I really appreciate your sharing that you. this came out of a place of sort of almost 
depression and hopelessness that yes. you've created this piece of beauty. Because when I look at you and talk to you, I think of you as this like really successful, accomplished, creative guy. And yet, because you couldn't get another project right after your last insanely successful project, you felt like that was it. And I feel like it's such a common feeling that like, like this despair, like one project gets a, gets canceled and that's it, you know? And yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. You immediately slip to this place of, Oh no, well, I'm over. <laughs> but that's ridiculous. Think about how much life and project there you have so many projects left in you. And then of course this one came out, which was absolutely beautiful and inspiring and will help so many people. So it just goes to show that like for anybody out there who's feeling like really dejected about, you know, any recent news that like, you know, you just have to get off the floor and do something and things will things will get better. <laughs> yes, it will lead to a, a lovely place. <laughs> So when you went on your listening tour, what were some of the things you started hearing that stuck with you the most, that made you feel the most compelled to turn your journey into a book and a, and a, a movement, really? Yeah, I think I, I had this thought that of what it would be, you know, just cute things kids would share, uh, just like the kids say the darndest things kind of idea of, oh, they said a word wrong and it's silly. And there is that where kids are funny and they're they're brilliant and creative. It's so so hilarious. Like one kid blew my mind. We were it was a, actually a, a a Skype conversation with the classroom, and this kid had this very serious look on his face. <laughs> he has raised his hand, and the teacher said, "Okay, you've got the microphone. Tell Brad." And then he went, "You know, sharks probably aren't afraid of other sharks." <laughs> and I thought, "Whoa." Uh, <laughs> I've never thought about that. And it's still, I think about that sometimes, <laughs> but, but that was when I would pose the question, what would it look like to be a great grown up? Like, tell me about a great grown up. I want to be a great grown up. So tell me. And they wouldn't skip a beat. They would immediately tell me about somebody in their lives that, and, and I was thinking, oh, it would be them telling me something huge like somebody who bought them a pony and like took them on a giant trip. But it was always little things. It was about, you know, the way that their mom would pick them up from school. And and always it was a story one kid gave about going to the park with his with his uncle and, and that that was a regular thing. And he loved rolling down the hill and making him laugh. And it was this just really incredible reminder that all they want is for the grownups in their lives to see them. And, and then when I started sharing that, I realized that, that there was actually neuroscience to prove that, that there was developmental psychology that had shown that that's, exactly, that's, that's what helps us grow. The active ingredient in all of our developments is, is love. It's, and not just one big grand gesture of love, but over time, every day, just little little bitty bits of love. And that for me, it made me show up differently in my house with my kids. And it made me, whenever I saw my friends who were stressing out about being parents or saw teachers, to just be able to let them relax their shoulders and let them know, hey, you don't have to be spectacular. You already are. (laughs) Like just your presence of looking them in the eyes and listening is going to change everything. (laughs) 
I feel like I've learned so much from you and from this time at home with my kids <laughs> like mm. during the coronavirus about parenting and what mm. kids actually need versus what I thought that they needed, what I thought I had to do as a good mom. Right. So your your book and your message is like so spot on for now. I mean, they don't need, like, I don't have to roll out a red carpet for my, for my kids. <laughs> you know, I just have to not be rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and and it's it's simple, but it's rarely easy. Yes, <laughs> so, it's so true. It's like this morning, it was a roller coaster for us in our house, where you know it was started out very sweet. The kids showed up in the bed, and they were wanting to cuddle, and then they started fighting, and then my daughter's crying, and, and I had to have this moment of just realizing, okay, pause, breathe. <laughs> And let me hear what she's upset about and let me let her see that I see her and let's provide a better way forward together. And just that recognizing of what they're going through, you know, my kids, they're missing out on things that they love and they're not very vocal about it in words because they're seven and five. So they're not talking about the friends they miss or the events they miss. Instead, they're they're acting in, out in other ways. And so it it, it takes us tuning our eyes and ears to to see all the ways they're hurting yes, and to acknowledge that we see it. But to do that, we have to be sort of calm and present enough ourselves to be receptive to that information <laughs> instead of yeah, reacting. Yeah. I mean, that takes and, a place of sort of centeredness. <laughs> and it also, you know, one thing I've had to learn too is, is I, I wanted to be kind of guarded about letting them know when I was upset. And instead, Dad finding that that's actually so helpful for them to know when dad is scared or, you know, dad is actually doesn't have the answer right now. I, I don't know what happens next, but I, here's what I do know, you know, and, and letting them feel that I, I want them to, to know that we're learning and growing together through this. That's one of the things that I discovered too, as I started to interview not only kids, but interview former kids, people over the age of 100. When I talked to them about what it looked like to be a great adult, what it looked like to grow, and they had such a wisdom, but they also had this whimsy to them, this wonder, like this lightness of being that they could be so grateful to be talking to me, didn't even know me that well, but so grateful. And when they talked about growth or they talked about, you know, how they got where they were. It was always about walking alongside the people next to them, their children, that that the moments they remember were the field trips, the moments they remember were when they were going through something together instead of passing down great wisdom from, you know, this throne and <laughs> handing it down to kids. They themselves learned alongside their parents and their teachers or neighbors, friends. And that's the way we are meant to grow is in relationships. Wow. This advice is so good. And I'm trying to like store it all in my head <laughs> selfishly <laughs> to like take it back to my own, <laughs> my own life. You're, so in your book, you have a story within a story called The Incredible Floating Girl, which you read on YouTube and is just so amazing. And how when your daughter was born, she laughed and how does the world conspire to sort of squelch that laughter? And what can we do to stop that? <laughs> Tell me about writing the story within a story, which was, which is uh, so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. You know, so much of 
of what I I was seeing. I think I had this thought that being a dad was was me really, you know, educating them on how to be a human, <laughs> and then holding them and realizing I don't know how to human. Like I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and and yet holding her and seeing that she had it all figured out. Like she was so happy. This 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 peace and this laughter. And I was struck with this responsibility of, oh no, I don't want her to lose this. I, I can't my job is now not to make her smile. It's to keep her from stopping. <laughs> how do I have her not lose this lightness? And at the same time, too, I had been spending time with all of these people, doing interviews with celebrities and world leaders. But when I would interview them, I had a kid doing it with a tin can phone. And we would, when you have an invitation for people to be more childlike and think about what it's like to be a kid, you see them change, their demeanor change, their posture changes, the lights in their eyes turn on, like they come back to a place that they forgot, but that was still there. And afterwards, the conversations, you know, with people were were always about, oh, I remember playing like this when I was, oh, I used to draw like this when I was a kid. I used to, and there was this beautiful energy that we all had and shared together when we would talk about what it was like to be a kid. And I would see people that were maybe a little cold or distant suddenly warm up and, and we were connected. And so I wrote this story that I originally just wrote it to share with a room full of teachers. And I shared this story of this girl who could fly and then her dad's afraid that he's going to mess it up. And so he hides her floating. He doesn't want anybody to make fun of her. He doesn't want anybody to see it. And then she stops flying and then there's this sadness. And then as she ages, then how does she get that back? How does she reclaim that? And it was this big reminder. I wanted all those teachers in the room to know that they are people who fly and help others fly. And they are doing what we're all here to do is to fly ourselves and then take other people along with us and remind them of their lightness, remind them of what they're capable of, that their classrooms, our homes, all of our places are not buildings, they're runways, they're places in which we we were meant to to fly together. Wow, that's so beautiful. It's definitely the like first do no harm philosophy of parenting that your kids are sort of for <laughs> yeah, like a scout. Yeah, exactly. You know, I feel like the, the older I get, the more I'm realizing that I have very little to do with how my kids are turning out. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, though, they, they reflect us in so many ways that, that we, we swap seats a lot of times and who's teaching. And, and that's, that's one of the great gifts that I, I'm learning to accept now is all the ways that they're helping me fly and and reminding me of of what is good about me <laughs> and also what 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 needs some work so after you went on your listening tour and you had all this information and data and quotes and all the stuff that was in your head from what you gathered how did you go about writing the book and making it such a creative not I want to say manuscript but it's not it's like a work of art because it's illustration and children's book and little pictures you can, you know, photocopy and put on your fridge and story and insight. So it's a really unique 
um, end product? How, what, how did you visualize that and how did you put it all together? How did you write it? Yeah, well, thanks for saying that. I think it went through <laughs> thousands of drafts in which, you know, it was, there was an attempt to write a very serious businessy type book. And it's like, this is a disaster. And then there was an attempt that it was a small, just little, it was just the, the floating girl story. And then yet when I would share the story live, I would always have these other things I wanted to share. And then I, I just said, okay, let me start backwards. I'm going to work backwards here. What's the end goal? And I started, I started to think about literal faces of people that I care about that are around kids that I care about and just thought, I want them to remember what it's like to fly and what they're capable of helping other people fly. And so then that, that started to inform what I wanted the book to even feel like and look like that. I wanted to feel like a board book <laughs> to give little moments of, of uh, a little hint of what it felt like to hold a book when you're a kid and it be yours. But then it it have pictures that would feel like a kid's just playing and sending little doodles in the margins uh, so that it would bring you back to maybe some of the earliest books you read, but at the same time speak to who you are now. That, so that, that was the desire. And it's one of those things that I've been encouraging people who want to write to let them know that I never felt worthy of this project. Never felt worthy of the message. And yet it had to be done. <laughs> and, and I feel like it is a message in a bottle from me that, that, that that's what this book is. And I hope it inspires other people to, to do the, the same thing with their own fingerprints of create something that, that will be a beauty. But my struggle was that I know what I want this to be. Yeah, I know what I want it to feel like, but I don't have the capacity to do it as well as I want. And so that also puts a little seed of desire in, in my, my own self to, okay, now the next time I want to get it right, <laughs> I want to get it even, even better. You are so down on yourself. I want to like get <laughs> hire you a therapist to like build up your self-esteem. This is crazy. <laughs> I, I, uh, I will say that my counselor has been a, a real <laughs> in, in the journey of help, helping me process what it, what the work is, what, what the work is that I want to do in the world, how I want to show up. And there's actually a, a deleted chapter in the book that I want to do as a live show, as a thing that is about going to my counselor in the midst of this, because I was in this depression and then started visiting schools. And at the same time I was going to counseling. So there's a chapter and what my wonderful counselor did is she gave me a copy of the Velveteen Rabbit. <laughs> she said, here, you need this. You, this is, this is the book you need to read. And I was like, I've read it. I read it as a kid. I remember it. I loved it. I don't need to read it. And then I finally sat down and read it and it did everything for me that I wanted this book to do for people, reminding me what it is to be real, to be of value, to already be a real rabbit. <laughs> I have not read The Velveteen Rabbit. To my, I don't even think I've read it to my kids. I don't, I feel like I've, I, it, it got lost in the, in the 
in the pile of other books I was reading, and I have to pull that out. I must have a copy from when I was little somewhere. I have to ask my mom. Yeah, it, it more than holds up. And there's actually some beautiful versions of it that, that I love, and I've tried to find as many as I can. But one thing that, that's interesting about when you read it with kids now is, is so much of it is dated, you know, and, and a kid doesn't know what's velveteen, like what right. is that type of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> this idea of him getting very sick and them having to burn the, the toys is is terrifying, but they may not get all the context at all, but the emotion is very real and is timeless. <laughs> and the end in that story is is one of, of beauty and sadness and really just what it is to be a person. Aww. That's so nice. Or a rabbit. Or a rabbit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somehow Easter has come and gone, which my son is obsessed with, despite that we don't celebrate Easter. But it's okay. We have like Easter stuff everywhere now. So I'll have to pull out another bunny book. It's perfect. <laughs> Tell me about partnering with the university, partnering with Tennessee State University to curate free resources. You're like spreading the message far and wide. What, how did you come up with that idea? Um, when I was doing kid president videos, I was stunned when teachers started using them in classrooms. I thought, why would you do that? Why would anything <laughs> I make be of value to you in learning? Like, you, this is lazy. There's nothing. And then they would open up about, oh, well, actually, it helps us show this to kids. It helps us start conversations about this. And then my just my imagination went wild. And so for a large part of the videos we made, they were made with me constantly calling up fourth grade teachers and be like, okay, does this make sense? What about this? What are you trying to communicate that I could help you do and in, in, in a playful way? And so it, that to kind of uh, be Alfred to teachers Batman <laughs> was, was the idea. How could we just say, oh, here's this. Now go, go, go save the world. And then partnering with with these, there's a team of educators, that, it's called iTeach, and it's this really brilliant lab full of professional educators who are helping equip teachers and also parents, anyone who works with kids, to have big conversations, to work through big ideas, to do it in an engaging way. And so they they have believed in my work and every little thing that we do on Instagram, every like and have been, how can we find a way to let this be a spark for even more learning? And they took the book and they took every single chapter and pulled out nuggets and projects. So they did two guides that are free, that are available, connected to the book. One is for classrooms or for kids. And the other one is for adults and for any commerce, like if you wanted to have a book club or wanted to get your employees together, however. and already that has been even more rewarding than the book itself. (laughs) All of the people who have said they've read the book and it meant something that is incredible. But now they're taking these, if you go to wondersparks.com that you can download the free resources, but people are creating projects with their kids alongside them. There's a part in the book with a map and they've been making their own maps as a family. Uh, People have been doing things in the midst of this, quarantine time where they are thinking about, okay, we've got this backpack full of unessential things. What are we going to take out from this? And just, it's one thing to create something. It's so much more rewarding to create something and have other people 
create even better things from it. It's generative art. And so now I'm addicted. Now that's what I want to make. Things that make more things. So how are you, how are you going to do that? So what does that mean? That's on my list of things to do is produce generative art that will change the world. So how do you, how do you get up in the morning and start, get to work, start cracking away at that? <laughs> I, I think that's, that's the, that's the homework that's, that's going, you know, it's not all about me instead. Now it's all about how can I create something that's honest and that is from me, that was helpful to me, but that might inspire someone else to take it even further. One example of that is we started a project called Socktober. And so the idea, we found out that our local shelter, one of their most needed items, least donated items, was socks. Right as people are preparing for winter, happens to be in October for us around here in Tennessee. So we declared the month of October Socktober. And people began to collect items that our shelter needed. Well, then the next year it went on and other people started doing it for their shelters. And then I had started Kid President and I said, well, what if Kid President declared it's October? Let's just see what happened. And at first I thought, well, we need rules in place and we need a central office. and We need, you know, some rewards or prizes that people. And then I thought, no, I'm going to have faith in people. I'm just going to say, hey, here's something good you could do. (laughs) And let's see what happens. And now we are close to what, this is maybe the ninth year, and it is in all 50 states on every single continent every year. Even in months that aren't October, people are doing Socktober. They're creating some sort of project that is in that same spirit, and it it just blows my mind. And, and it's I was on an airplane, and this guy beside me asked what I did. And I said, oh, I make silly videos on the internet. And, and they're about kids and grownups working together. And then he said, oh, that's really neat. You need to check this out. My daughter, their school does this project called Socktober. And, and, and he showed me a picture of him with his daughters. They had gone to their shelter. He had never been to the shelter. They found out what they needed. And I just was stunned. And I wanted to tell him, that was my idea. <laughs> you sh- you didn't, didn't tell him? Well, I sat there with my hands under my legs and just was stunned and just went, that's really cool. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the whole plane ride just up there in the sky thinking, what? What in the world? And it was this this really profound moment of thinking, you know, maybe – it doesn't matter who gets the credit. Maybe it just matters that it happens. And, and when you're obsessed with that, that leads to bigger places. And, and it can be frustrating in a time on the internet when your ideas get passed around all the time and co-opted and, and turned into other things that uh, I've had art that brands have turned into giant campaigns and things, you know, without my signature. but that obsession with having them see and notice that I did that is not helpful. (laughs) Instead, if I just keep doing the work and keep putting out the sparks, I just, I'm obsessed with the good happening. (laughs) Wow. That is beautiful. That, I mean, that (laughs) is a beautiful message. I was like, great. That is my full quote for this episode. (laughs) Right there. That was perfect. Cause I want to like write it down right now and remember it. That's really, I mean, that's really generous of spirit of you and not many people. Well, I shouldn't say that. Hopefully many people would share it, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. really great. (laughs) 
So are you working on anything now mid-pandemic that's really exciting you or getting you through each day or something that is really inspiring? Yeah, there's a couple of things that we've been able to to stay focused on. My wife and I are working on a picture book together that that we're excited about. But then in the midst of that too, we we got to partner with this group that's a team of that works with healthcare workers year round. And normally I do events with them, but that's not happening and so they created a health hero hotline and we got to work with them to where it's a toll-free number that people can call to just say thank you. And so they've been piping in these messages that are encouraging to healthcare workers. And it's an 800 number. It's 877-226-HERO. You can call that number. You leave a message just saying thank you to people that are on the front lines of this crisis. And so some of the healthcare workers are like their offices are giving these to their employees to listen to on the way to work or as they get ready. It's like a rallying moment, a point to think about, okay, we're going in. We're not alone. People see us. People are cheering us on. There's a whole love army. And that's been really a fun project, life-giving. Children have been calling it families, elderly people that are just like, there's nothing else I can do other than tell you thank you. But one little girl called in to say, I want to be a nurse when I grow up. And so just keep going. (laughs) You just think about what what a cool message that would be to hear and a reminder that you know, one day there's kids that are looking at you saying, I want to be you. So That's amazing. Wow. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? I will say that, that what has been helpful to me and was confusing to me was there's a, a musician that I, I really like. He's a punk musician, Jonathan Richmond, and he had this band, The Modern Lovers, and did all this, this just really creative work. And I happened to be able to to meet him several years back. I was right out of college and I was so excited to talk to him and he'd written so many great songs. And I said, what do you have any advice for a young artist? And he just said, say something true, man. <laughs> and I thought, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> I was wanting something better, something rebellious, something, you know, what, what? And that stuck in my head. And the more that I think you do question your own self of what is true, what 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 is the truest thing I could say right now, that that will lead you to to a place of wildly creative work that will be timely and timeless always. That's awesome. I love that advice. Brad, thank you so much for coming on my podcast and also doing my Instagram live a few weeks ago. And for just... I was so excited. I was so excited to talk to you. Oh, you too. You're such a nice guy. And I wish that I was like, I could give you a hug. I feel like this warmth towards you. And I just, I'm so grateful for there being I good people. From <laughs> I from afar. We'll find lots of excuses to dream up and team up in the future. What, what you're great. doing matters so much and cheers to you and all your listeners thank you thanks Brad. have a great day (laughs) okay bye-bye thanks again for listening to my podcast moms don't have time to read books if you liked this episode please follow me on instagram at zibby owens and at moms don't have time to read books and sign up for my mailing list at zibbyowens.com so you can always hear about the latest things i'm up to thanks a lot
Today's episode has been sponsored by Violets Are Blue, the organic small batch skincare company that's giving back to women in treatment for breast cancer. Use code ZIBBY20 for 20% off violetsarebluskincare.com. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. Thank you.